Welcome, friends. You're listening to the What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury Law, 702-820-1234. Yes, Sam Rajofsky here, your host. Common Sense Conservatism, delivered daily, Monday through Friday, 2 to 3 p.m., right here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Today uh, is the last show before the Thanksgiving weekend, and I thought I would take this opportunity and talk a little bit about gratitude, because of course that is what this four-day weekend is all about. It's not just about the tryptophan. It's a time for reflection, in my view, and taking a moment uh, and, uh, you know, acknowledging the good stuff that we have. Uh, I realize a lot of us are, well, a little bit uh, concerned in these times. We have a great deal of political uncertainty, uh, economic uncertainty. Uh, There are a number of crises brewing in the world that may, at some point, affect us significantly, and yet there is much good. And so instead of dealing with all of the other stuff, because we'll get back to that after the weekend, I thought we would take a moment and take stock of all the good that we have in our lives. And I I thought first, let me go first here and and start the conversation off with, with saying some of the things that matter to me. And I... Top of the list, uh, certainly, is family. And by that, I mean my, my own family. I have three kids. Uh, I have a wife. Uh, we have a, uh, a great life together. Uh, and, and I, but I also mean not just my own family, but, but in a greater context of my extended family, my parents, my grandparents, my family history. We spoke a little bit this week about how A number of the radicals out there want to separate our children from their family history. And as I I was thinking about it more and more after I mentioned that here on on the program, I thought, you know, something that is such an enormously important part of my life that I, in fact, was, was born separated from in some way and credit my parents for attaching it to me, even though... I grew up, let's say, 5,000 miles or so away from my parents' native country. And so I thought I'd tell you, some of you don't know the story, and I'll, I'll share it with you because it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's fascinating. And it's, in many ways, a great American story because many of you have had similar experiences where your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents came to this country in search of opportunity, found that opportunity— And yet it's still, I think, very important to stay connected to your roots because those are the the things that ground you, particularly in times like these, when they, these crazies that want to remake society, want to separate us from the things that ground us. So I, you know, I was born in, I'll just tell you, 1980, so 42 now. Uh, My parents came to the country three years before that. And my folks were both born and raised in Prague in the Czech Republic. Well, what is now the Czech Republic was then uh, communist Czechoslovakia. And they, were, they, they both left in 1968 uh, following the Prague Spring. Uh, my mom went to Paris. My dad went to Holland. They married. 
lived in Holland for a bit, and then absolutely depressed by the leftist insanity that was permeating Western Europe at the time, and probably still is in some ways. Uh, there may be some glimmers of hope that they're recovering from it, but just barely. So they were depressed by all that and thought, you know, we've, we, we, there's really one country and one country only that we need to go to and escape to, to find true freedom. And that, of course, was and remains the United States. So in 1977, my parents came to the U.S. They did so legally. I speak about this frequently. Uh, it was a very challenging uh, time. Uh, enormous, took enormous effort. Was economically ruinous uh, for a, for a, for a time, and and then eventually my my parents, you know, built up a great life for themselves and for my sister and I. Now uh, I bring all this up because, of course, I am deeply grateful every single day for the sacrifice that my parents made to bring, you know, to create an opportunity for me to be born in the greatest country on earth, which is here, the United States. Friends, I, I, I say this as a, you know, as a son of immigrants, as someone who sees you know, and spends time in Europe uh, and abroad. I have lots of family and friends in the Czech Republic, uh, in Switzerland, uh, other countries. You know, I, I'll tell you, this place, this country is exceptional. And so if you were born here like I was, rejoice, because you and I are blessed to call the United States home. So I always reflect on this opportunity that I had to be born here, to be an American. But it's funny because I didn't realize how lucky I was until I was 10 years into it and what it took for me to realize or to get some context for how great my life was, was to travel and to travel at a very pivotal time. I've shared the story here on the program before, but I'll, I'll do it again because I think it I think it explains exactly what I mean. And this story, by the way, um, it's one that I think a lot of young people should have. Because if they were to see what I saw, I think uh, probably would be less disposed to become uh, untethered, lunatic, leftist radicals. So when I was 10 years old, the uh, there was a change occurring nine uh, going on ten. There's some change going on in Europe, and many of you will remember this. What was happening in 1989? There were a series of popular uprisings against the various communist regimes throughout Eastern uh, and and actually part of Western Europe. And these revolutions from you know from from East Germany to to Poland. Romania, of course, and their uh, violent uh, overthrow of, of, a, of a dictator there, Ceausescu, Hungary, and later the Soviet Union. Now, one of those countries, of course, uh, involved in this was the uh, then Czechoslovakia. And this was a vassal state, a part of the Warsaw Pact of, of countries that were uh, you know, aligned with the Soviet Union and had been for 40 years, ever since the end of World War II, 1948. 
So there we were 41 years later. My parents had left in 1968 and they'd never returned. They couldn't go back. Uh, so that would, it just was not allowed. They, they were not able to travel back to their own country. And so my father and I, family, we were, were actually in Europe at the time. We were in Switzerland where I have uh, uh, some of my family that also got out in 1968. So we were, we were there and we were watching everything transpire. It all happened very quickly. In fact, this month is an anniversary of that. November is when the communist government of Czechoslovakia abdicated in, uh, in favor of a newly democratic state. Now, we were figuring this out. Now, I'm a kid, right? I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nine-year-old. And I, uh, I'm looking around, and I, I, I know my parents are very worried. They're concerned. Uh, and ultimately, the decision, right, because do we travel back? They didn't know if this was a permanent change, if this was going to last. Maybe this was just a, a flash in the pan and a brief glimmer of hope, like it was in 1968 when there were, you know, were protests, and eventually the Soviet Union sent tanks back in to reinvade the country, thinking that would repeat itself. So ultimately, the decision was made. My father and I would travel after Christmas to visit his country that he hadn't seen in 20 years. And so we got on a train. And this train, you, you just imagine, I mean, it's almost, I wouldn't say a refugee-type situation, but these trains are crowded with Czech expatriates returning home to visit their country. It was very emotional. And we get on a train. I think we had to change trains somewhere. So we're, we're leaving town in northern Switzerland. I think we changed trains in, in, in Germany somewhere. And then get on a train ultimately to go to Prague. As we cross the border, everything turns bleak. You know, we're going from, from the west, western Europe, where things are, are beautiful, are working, are clean, are nice, organized. And all of a sudden, the train passes and we're going through the night, and you can just see that, that things look devastated. In the morning, our train rolls into Prague. And if you haven't been to Prague, the Czech Republic, it is one of the most beautiful, exceptional cities. And I get to Prague, I get to the train station, and I, I'm looking out the window, I'm getting off the train. And I, I saw things that I will never forget. And i got to take a quick break here. I, I want to share this with you because to me, this is one of those moments in my life that I am so deeply grateful for, that I am so fortunate to have had, that have shaped me as a grateful and proud American. Again, I took a, I took a visit to my, my, my parents' homeland to have that awakening as a young person. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash. Injury Law. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. You're listening to The What's Right Show, brought to you by Sam and Ash Injury Law, because you deserve attorneys that share your values, 702-820-1234, samandashlaw.com, that's Sam and, spelled out A-N-D, A-S-H, ashlawlaw.com. Now, friends, if you're just tuning in, 
Here on the What's Right Show, I thought I, your host, Sam Rajofsky, would take a moment to talk about some of the things I'm grateful for here on the eve of Thanksgiving, describing to you the moments that I was, for the first time, a returning or arriving at my parents' home country, what was then uh, newly liberated Czechoslovakia following the abdication of the communist government. In November, I traveled there in December of Uh, 1989. Now, the so-called Velvet Revolution, right? I mean, few students uh, were were killed by the police, but nothing like what is going on today in Iran. I mean, it it, it basically, the the government just crumbled. They just gave up the ghost. And so a month later, roughly a month, maybe five weeks later, my father and I decided to get on a train. We were in Switzerland. We got on a train. We we, we, uh, drove a road to uh, to Prague, to the capital. Now, this is a city my dad grew up in, a city my mother grew up in. My dad hadn't been back in 20, 21 years. And we get out of the train, and and I'll tell you, I'd been to Europe a couple times at this point. I'd visited family in Western Europe. I, I get out of the train. I mean, this, two things that I will never forget. This city was obviously architecturally beautiful, and today it's an absolute gem. Everything is black and brown and gray. There is palpable misery, economic misery that you can feel. You, it's not, there's no glimmers or glimpses or, or, or flashes of anything that is well-kept, anything that's well-maintained. You just have a, a, a city, an entire beautiful city that is crumbling. So that was my first impression. The second impression was that the people there were jubilant. Now, kids, you know this with children, parents. Again, I was nine years old. What do kids pick up on? Sometimes a lot more than we think. And one thing that, that children will recognize is, is they'll, they'll see things that don't go well together. They'll, they'll see the, the, uh, those moments where there is an incongruous reaction to something. They'll pick up on that. And that's exactly where I was. I, I, I saw these, these ecstatic people, and we had some family members meet us at the train station, some that I had never met before, and we get uh, picked up and we get put in a, a terrible little car and, and driven over to my grandma's apartment to see my grandmother. Now, Everyone is ecstatic. Everyone is is wearing, you know, uh, these, you know, tricolored the colors of the Ch- uh, Czechoslovakian flag. They're carrying those the pins or or little ribbons. They're happy. They're laughing. And at the same time, I'm looking at their at their terrible, crumbling country. Everywhere on every street corner, every sidewalk is ripped up. Has weeds. Buildings, you know, plaster falling off the buildings. I mean, just, I mean, it's, a, it's grotesque. So what was going on? I asked some questions. I talked to my dad as we spent our days there. And one of the things that, uh, that, that it, it, it became very obvious to me, and it clicked for me as a, as a 9, 10-year-old, is that when you take away private ownership, when the state owns everything, when the government manages everything, it all goes to crap. 
Nobody takes care of their home, their apartment, their corner of the city that is theirs, that they have pride of ownership over. There's no such thing. In fact, no one's motivated to do anything. And everybody works for the government. They all get a job whether they do it well or not. And so the people tasked with, tasked with keeping an area, a city, a country running, looking good, maintained, properly taken care of, those people don't give a rip. And so over time, and it'll take a while, but here are 40 years, the country gradually, the city, the cities, the towns, the villages, they crumble. And the other thing that is and ought to be obvious here is that people who have been given their freedom after previously not having it, are some of the happiest and most grateful people on the planet that you will ever find. We here as Americans, we have to understand how precious our freedom is to us. We have to be reminded that we are a constitutional republic that protects us by design from tyranny. And wherever that tyranny comes from, usually from the left, but sometimes, frankly, folks, from the right, whatever tyranny comes at us, we have to oppose it and fight it. It's very easy to lose your freedom. It's harder to gain it back. And sometimes, like with other precious things, you don't realize how much you need it want it, can't live without it until you have lost it and then regained it back. I will never in my entire life forget all of those happy people I saw. It is imprinted in my memory. And so now as I go through and think about Thanksgiving and this holiday and I'm think about, you know, living here in Las Vegas and frankly, having done my own escape the way my parents did, I left California, which was my home. My parents still live there. Now, it's, it's nothing like leaving a continent and a country and not being able to return. I, I, I go back to California. In fact, I have an office there. But I elected to leave a beautiful state that is failing because of the politics, because of the economic policy because of the social conditions that are imposed by a completely lunatic government that is, well, of course, you know, uh, controlled entirely uh, by one party. So I came to Nevada to start over, and it has treated, treated it's treating me great, folks. I, I love it. And, and, and oftentimes I talk to people and say, well, you're, you moved from California. You're not born and raised. I said, no, I, I chose to be here. I want to be here. I picked Nevada because there's more freedom here. I can do more things here than I can in California. I'm a freedom lover. And we really ought to be freedom lovers, friends. We ought to all live as though we have just seen 10 million people be freed overnight from 41 years of tyranny, preceded, by the way, by a brutal Nazi occupation. Let's throw that in. So the Czech people, my, my parents' country, I mean, these are, these are folks that 
with one brief interlude, haven't seen the light of day, politically speaking, uh, since 1938. Let that sink in. So we have a lot to be grateful for. Now let me get into some of the economics and, and stuff here that I think is relevant. I got to take a break. But I, you know, again, folks, we have, we are so grateful. We ought to be grateful for this great country that we live in. God bless the United States. Sam Marjofsky here on the What's Right Show. On the eve of Thanksgiving, I'll be right back. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. That's right. You found us. Bottom of the hour, the What's Right Show, Sam Rajofsky, here Monday through Friday, 2 to 3 p.m., Common sense conservatism delivered by Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. That's me. Uh, yeah, I, look, if you're just tuning in, uh, I was uh, been talking about my experience in 1989. I was in, uh, I got behind the, east, the, the Iron Curtain had just come down. I got across the border into Eastern Europe with my father to visit his home country. Czechoslovakia, and I was there for a few days between Christmas and New Year, so about five, six weeks after the fall of the Soviet-controlled government. Uh, what I saw there, of course, was, was life-altering, and in many ways, uh, one of those moments in my life that I am most grateful for, just a, a, a pivotal event. And I, you know, and I've, I, I've thought here as I'm as I reflect on this, this pivotal event, and, and by the way, we'll talk a little bit more about the economics because one of the things that then subsequently happened to this trip is I would go back to the Czech Republic, well, first Czechoslovakia, and then it became the Czech Republic. The country split in 94, but I would, go, I would go each, not every year, but eventually every year. As I got older, I'd go every summer, and I watched the company, uh, the country, excuse me, embrace capitalism, embrace a free market, embrace private ownership. And suddenly all those things that I was describing to you just uh, moments ago in the last segment, those things, the crumbling buildings, the, the nasty street corners, the, 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 the lack of care, the, the zero pride of ownership, because of course everything's owned by the government, and no individual has any motivation to do anything well or to make anything beautiful or nice-looking. Consequently, the only things that remain in decent shape are government buildings, maybe. And even those are not up to standards that you and I would find acceptable. But then I watched the country turn into a capitalist society. Now, that word capitalist, boy, does it have a negative connotation in today's schools. You go to college, you send your kid to an $80,000 a year university and dollars to donuts, you're one of the professors there whose salary you're paying, mom and dad, is telling your kid about how terrible capitalism is. 
Well, here's what I have to tell you kids out there that (laughs) are being told that capitalism is so awful. I've seen it both ways. I witnessed what this country, my parents' country, was like immediately following when everything was still state-owned and there was no capitalism. You know, I would, I remember being hungry. It's a very perplexing thing. I, I, I'd never experienced anything like this. This was one of those economic awakenings that make you think about how the world works, even when you're 10. So I would, re- I would go to the store, and the conversion rate, by the way, dollars to check crowns was insane. I mean, it's like, like check money was like funny money. You, you had a ton of it. And it was very valuable because it hadn't quite adjusted yet to the new situation. So, it, you know, I, I would go in and I'd trade $20 and I would have, I would have the equivalent of, of, I don't know, of three $400 uh, instantly. And so I could go into the store. I could buy any, I could walk into a, a, a boutique and buy a, crystal, a beautiful crystal vase as a 10-year-old. I could do that. With, my, with a part of my $20. But you know what I couldn't do? If it was a Monday, I'd walk in a store, and I'd say, where's the yogurt? I, I want some yogurt. And there was no yogurt. They'd tell you, and do you know what they'd say? They'd say, sorry, this month we don't have yogurt. Try us next month. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll come back, you know, I'll come back in January. Good idea. Can you imagine if you took all these rich kids that go to Ivy League schools, $80,000, dollars $80, a year, and you told them, yeah, you, you, you know, um, you know yogurt this way. You're not going to get your faye yogurt, whatever it's called. You're not going to get your fancy, what, you want your gluten-free, uh, you know, mix? No, you're not getting that. Oat milk? You want oat milk? No, we're not going to have that until March. Can you imagine The problem with leftist idiots today, particularly the young ones, right? The old ones, I, you know, look, if you're a boomer and you still haven't figured it out, I I don't know if there's any hope for you. But these 18-year-old kids going to college who just have had everything given to them, they have no idea what this world would be like if if communism (laughs) was their, which is, of course, their ideologically, oh, that's so fair, it's so right, it's so just— if it actually, they lived in a world that operated on those terms, where a government decided, okay, you're going to work in this factory, and this is what you're going to produce, and this is how many units of it you're going to produce, and you remove the profit incentive from factory owners, and you remove the, factory, the, the profit incentive from, so not only just the producer, but also the sellers, right, the shop, shopkeepers, the store owners. 10 out of 10 liberals get mad when their Amazon Prime order doesn't show up exactly when it was promised. You do a survey right now, and, 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 and you, that was supposed to come one day. It came in three. And they'll have a meltdown, and you read the reviews. These people would, I don't know what they would do in the world that I saw. If you wanted to buy a car... There's another great example. I would, I would talk to Czech kids, you know, as I started going and spending my summers there. I said, oh, you guys got a new car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my parents, they waited for that for six years. I said, come again? 
Oh yeah, six years. Yeah, we just you know we we put in a request. I go well. Okay, I like the color. Oh, we don't get to pick the color. They just give us what we they you know whatever they've got. They say your car's ready. You go pick it up and white, black, purple, whatever. You know that's just the car you get. Can you imagine that? Again, all those college students who have to have the latest and greatest iPhone, imagine, oh, on the day or the week that it comes out, no less, having to wait six years to get something. Now, the, the, the flip side of it is, of course, everybody can afford a car, but not everyone can get a car. Well, and then I would ask, of course, well, oh, there's a fancy, you know, there's a higher-end car over there called the Tatra. Oh, there's a, that's a fan. That's a nice car. How can you can you buy that car? I go no 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 no. Those are those are reserved for uh, political people. Oh, so what you're telling me is there's still an elite class that gets resources allocated to it that are not available for the average Joe. I thought this was the great egalitarian society. No, not so fast. And unlike capitalism, the elites in communist countries, they, of course, get their status not by achievement, but by, by, by and through conformity to, ideolo to ideology, right? Ideological conformity. This, of course, reminds me of the age of woke yesterday on the show I talked about how it's not very brave to be woke right now because you're just sharing the same opinion as everybody else around you and you're getting promoted and you're getting work and you're getting, you know, you're getting by by sharing everybody's ideology and nodding and agreeing with people so that you don't run afoul of the liberal hive. Reminds me of what I saw 20, well, what is it now? 21, 22 years ago. Unbelievable. The seductiveness of socialism is only real for those people who have never lived it. That's the, that's the real takeaway. That's what I realized when I saw it. So little Sam, you know, he's talking about me now. And the third person, I, I would, you know, come back to the U.S. I, I, I go back to Irvine, California. I'd go to school and I'd have a teacher, maybe a high school teacher. You know, this is uh, maybe three years later, four years later, tell me, oh, communism, you know, it's just, and I, ha I had high school teachers who did this. I was, oh, communism has never really been done correctly. You know, if it, be, if it were to be done correctly, uh, then, you know, da, da, da. And I would just raise my hand. I say, you're, you have no idea what you're, you're talking about. I was that kid. And it came from a place of knowledge and a place of power. Because I had seen all of this. So in keeping with our theme of gratitude, of course, I mentioned how grateful I am for my kids. So a lot of you have, have emailed me and written me and asked me, what do I do about my kids, right? What, you're, you're asking, how do you teach your kids these values? How do you keep them straight in this world? And I, I've responded to each and every one of you on that question individually. But I want to answer that question more, more broadly because this is a challenge, you know, 1989 is not going to come around again, this opportunity that I had. I, for example, can't necessarily recreate that for my kids, right? 
I'll tell you some of the stuff I do, and then I'll give you some, some ideas of what you can do uh, with your children to keep this uh, knowledge, really. Uh, put this knowledge in them before it's too late. Because again, if you're going to wait till 19 to have a conversation with your kid, you're going to lose them to these radical teachers and professors who want to have their, their way ideologically with your kids. Trust me on that. All right, Sam Rajovsky here. Got to take a break from the What's Right show. Brief timeout. Be right back, folks. Don't go anywhere. That's the music. You know what time it is. Back to the What's Right show. Sam Rajovsky here, your host, sharing with you a story of my childhood. Uh, coming back from uh, or visiting the uh, Czechoslovakia, now the Czech Republic, after the fall of communism, some of my observations about just how fabulous socialism is. I say that tongue-in-cheek. If you missed any portion of this show, I strongly recommend. This is a must-listen, particularly if you've got kids. So find us on the podcast. Uh, We have it both up on Spotify and Apple Podcast under What's Right Show. You'll see my photo there and click to follow, to subscribe, and download today's episode. Have a listen. Now, if you have any questions for me, as usual, please do not hesitate uh, to email me directly, sam at samandashlaw.com, sam at samandashlaw.com. Uh, we don't have time for, for callers here because I just I have an hour every day, and that's it. Uh, so provided that maybe we get more time as next year rolls around, we'll see. But um, uh, for the meantime, please email me questions or comments, and I do periodically share those, and I always will respond to you. Uh, so you know that I, I do make an effort to respond to every email. If I, if I don't get, if I don't respond to you within a day or so, I've missed your email or it's gone to spam. So please, uh, shoot me another message, please. Sam at salmonashlaw.com. All right. Just before the break, we were talking about how to give kids the type of experience that protects them in this crazy world shields them from the radical teachers and professors that want to uh, turn your kids into little Maoists. And I'll start with what I'm doing. Number one most important thing that I think I try to, uh, I know I try to do and I I think is working, is I take my my kids back to my parents' country to see their roots. And I give them the real story. And uh, maybe this, well, what do I mean by that? Let me say that first. What I mean by the real story is I don't just take them around and say, this is the house that your grandmother lived in and da-da-da-da-da, period. I tell them, this is the house that your grandmother lived in that was confiscated by the communists. Your grandmother was forced to move to this new place and up in the mountains and whatnot. I try to give a story. I, I try to give the story, the legit nitty-gritty, awful history that occurred. And part of, you know, part of this, I, I, I see uh, and I admire very strongly what Holocaust survivors have done with the memory of the Holocaust is that they talk about it. They don't sugarcoat it. They 
rightly, in my opinion, preserve the memory of the Holocaust and the hideousness of what the Nazis did in Europe. And one of my great life sorrows, maybe, is how communism ended and then just got glossed over. We all just moved on. We didn't talk about the horrors. We, we just, you know, we just said, let's, we're, in fact, I'll tell you, the government in my parents' former country, they, they just decided we're going to draw a, they call it a thick line or something like that. They said, we're drawing a line and we're just kind of, we're, we're going to forgive and forget. Up until recently, I think they're all dying now, but the, quite recently, there are people walking around Prague who sentenced people to death, political prisoners to death that were judges uh, in, uh, in, in, in the Soviet regime under, uh, when Stalin was around in the 50s. I, they, these people were, were never properly punished. We didn't have a Nuremberg for communism. It's a tremendous shame. And I think it's in part due to the fact that so many liberals in Western Europe were apologists for socialism and never wanted to properly account for the crimes that were committed by these communist regimes because it would be egg on their face. It would discredit their entire way of thinking. Where in 1945, rightly, we sought to discredit a vanquished ism, that of national socialism. Nazis and, of course, their, some of their, their, all their vile uh, ways of thinking. So I try to take my kids and I try to teach them this history. I want them to hear and see and experience the injustice. Now, one of the things that I, I also think is, is, is great is to bring your kids, and I'm, I'm, as my kids get a little bit older now, I, I think you know books like Atlas Shrugged, for example, are vital to understanding what, you know, liberalism, okay, in the context of the great American experiment can, can, can bring. I think those books are essential reading for, for young adults, for teenagers before they hit college. You have to understand what can, what kind of damage can be can be brought upon a functioning, lean, and and successful capitalist enterprise by some well-meaning and also not-so-well-meaning government bureaucrats. Read Democrats today. So I think that's essential. I, I think connecting whatever your history is, your family history, I think it's absolutely essential that we as parents— Get our kids to know what, our, what their past is about and connecting them to their family. Now, do you have a despicable, you know, great uncle or a, or a terrible, one of your parents is bad? I get, I get that. Not everybody has a happy family past. But by the way, even a bad example is a good example, right? We want to sugarcoat ki- things for kids. It's a strange thing. I, I, I think it's a... A, a, a protective, you know, kind of reaction that we have as parents. But it's not a good idea. 
kids need to, at appropriate ages, to know the real, the, get the straight scoop. Whether it has to do with history, family history, relationships, they need to know this. Make them think about things and reason things out in their minds. And by the way, we have four days now coming up, don't we? We've got a Thanksgiving holiday. This is a great time, by the way, because Thanksgiving, everything's closed. It's like this day where you can't do much. And so you might as well spend some time together and have some much-needed conversations. Share a story with them. One thing that was always incredible, my, my dad would spend time taking me on walks as a kid, and we would have long conversations. Well, really, it was me listening to his stories. But it was, it was better and remains to this day to be better than any college lecture I ever attended. And so that's what I'll leave you with. I, I wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. Talk to your kids. Connect them to your past. Make them understand and know you. Make sure they know your values. Communicate that to them. Great things will happen. I promise you this. All right, friends, I'll see you after this weekend. I'll be back here live on Monday. Two replays coming up Thursday and Friday. I'm taking the weekend off. God bless you all. Happy Thanksgiving. And I love you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving.